Kandreva's cross, the goalkeeper can't get there! And Salenli Tana score with a fluke! Antonio Kandreva, the former Inter player, has snatched a point for Salenli Tana, and no one in this stadium knows how. Hello and welcome back to Say A Spotlight Season 2, Episode 33. We're your host, Jake. And Mint. Mentoff is currently filling in for Matt, who finds himself down under in Australia, enjoying himself for a month. Bro, Mint, it's your third episode in a row. How do you feel? It is. Um, to be honest, I'm just wondering when, when this is all going to end. But, uh, but I'm here. I'm, uh, this ep- this, this, this um, episode in general was, was tough to do in such a tight, uh, tight schedule. But here we are. Yeah. I know it's been getting paid. Uh, no, But no. you've given me... You've given me some coffee and figola. Yeah. Figola is a, is a traditional Maltese sweet, which we have during Easter, and it's probably the best thing you'll ever eat in your lives. Don't at me. And, um, and yeah, so thanks for that. There we go. Okay. Now, you were very excited at first to be filling in for Matt. I was, and I realized how much work there is to yeah. do on the side. <laughs> yeah, you told me. Uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy this, but it's a lot of work as well, <laughs> apart from actually working. Yeah. And you said this takes more, more work than your actual job. It does. My, my job, I can just like slap my cock on the, on the keyboard, <laughs> and somehow it, my, my, my job just gets done. <laughs> This is actually requiring me to put a lot of effort and watch the yeah. games and analyze and, and this and that. And I mean, it's fun. I mean, yeah. I, this, this is the fun part. The preparing part is, is, is not so fun. It's like I'm ha- heading for an exam. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you have to be prepared or you'll find me here with my notes. You yes. fucking... You have all these statistics and I'll be like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> I, ha- I have none of these. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's get to the rundown. Then yes. we'll go um, to the game by game, of course, analysis. So the first game we're going to be covering is Lazio 2, Juventus 1, followed by Lecce 1, Napoli 2, Milan drew to Empoli 0-0, Torino lost to Roma 1-0, classic Mourinho victory over there. Inter were stunned by Candreva, um, who scored our goal of the week this time round. It was a fluke goal, but still an amazing goal regardless, 1-1 over there. Um, Bologna beat Atalanta 2-0 and continued their red-hot form. Fiorentina slip up to Spezia, who played an impressive game of football, 1-1 over there. Verona 2, your babies Sassuolo 1. Unfortunately. Um, we'll Can't wait to discuss that one with oh, you. I'm sure you will. Udinese 2, Monza 2, Sampdoria 2, Cremonese 3. That's the rundown. Now, before we move on, I feel the need to address our bet, as I, have, I forgot to do it in the intro. Um, we lost our bet this week. We lost 10 euros. No way. Yeah. You've lost a bet? <laughs> we, we bet that um, there would be a draw or a Sampdoria victory against Cremonese. I mean, we bet to be fair a draw you, or a Sassuolo victory. Yeah. To be fair with you there. Yeah. I mean, if there was ever a bet to bet on Sampdoria, it was this bet. And they've been... <laughs> and yeah. they've still let you down. Yeah, bro. <laughs> bro. I've been fucking saying that Sampdoria are playing well. The only thing that's missing is the result for the past four months, I think. I mean, they started the, way, they started the game well as well. And yeah. I mean, they had Cremonese's number, but then, yeah. but so, then you know. It's just crazy how I went for what in my eyes was such a safe bet and I got nothing right. You know, both draw or wins um, were wrong. I mean, this a this swallow bet was safe. No, Especially, yes, historically, like Verona is an easy team for 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 Sassuolo, for yeah. example, and and um, well, Sassuolo have have like four wins in six games. So I mean, 
Yeah. Based off that alone, as a safe-ish bet. Yeah, but when Consili's in goal, it's never quite safe, is it? Let's not, let's not, let's not shit on him too much. <laughs> but in this game, I will shit on him. However, he is a good keeper. No, no, he's great. But I just he... want to know... Perhaps it's... What, how, many, how, many, how many aperitivos he took before the yeah. game, okay? Because something was up there. Perhaps it's time to start using the past tense. He's, that he's been good? That he was good. That's a present perfect. Okay, teacher. I mean, I'm sorry about my <laughs> la- my lack of grammar, but um, All right. you dicked me a bit hard. There. Don't worry, we'll, we'll we'll get into it. So the first game. Ah, yes. To keep up with our bets, please follow us at Seiya Spotlight on Instagram, TikTok, um, Twitter, wherever you get anything. It doesn't really make a difference. So let's get into it. Lazio two, Juventus one. This was the big match of the weekend on a Saturday night. Everything that happened led up to this moment, and what a match it was! Mm-hmm. Beautiful scenes over there. Of course, you had the flags waving, the lights up in the air. You had the, the songs being sung, the eagle doing its laps around the Olympicos. It was crazy, lovely scenes over there. I'm not sure one day the eagle just dies on the pitch. <laughs> that would be very morbid. <laughs> <laughs> Former Juventus manager Maurizio Sarri got his first ever victory over Juventus since leaving the club Holy three crap. and a half years ago after oh, his wow. Scudetto winning season. So yes, that was actually Sarri's first victory damn. since then. Yes. Coming into this game, Lazio. Yeah, he popped his damn cherry. Coming into this game, Lazio had only earned two points in their previous six Serie uh, matches against Juventus, with two draws and four losses, and they conceded two goals in five of those meetings. So it's safe to say that Juventus had Lazio's number up until this final round over here. Lazio's last victory against Juventus in these conditions was on December 7th, 2019. It was a 3-1 victory. Goal scorers were Luis Felipe, Milinkovic, Savic and Caicedo. Mm. For Juve, it was Ronaldo who scored. Um, this is a fun fact I decided to prepare. I don't know why I have just a menu of statistics over here. You do, man. I'm realizing how, <laughs> how you have so many statistics compared to what I have. That's fine. I, that's have fine. The, I have the bare minimum here. Some people find them tedious, so balance is key. <laughs> Only Barcelona have kept more clean sheets than Lazio and Juventus in the big five leagues this season. Um, Barcelona have 20 and Juve and Lazio both have 17 clean so sheets right? clean sheets yeah so that's a nice little statistic and coming into this game Lazio had 6 in a row clean sheets and that's quite holy mad. crap yes fun fact about this game this game saw the player with the most say uh, free kick goals in the last 5 seasons Sergei Milinkovic-Savic with 7 against the player who's in 2nd place with Arkadius Milik with 4 I always, find, I always find his name so ridiculous. Arcadius, eh? Yes. It's like the place in Gozo where you buy alcohol. I don't know. I always think about arcade games personally, but yeah. fair enough. So Allegri was not present due to the flu, of course. Um, it was the interim manager, the, the, what do you call him? Not interim, is it? Interim manager to go over? Assistant coach, the assistant coach, yes, that's the interim one. Interim manager takes, is, is yeah. when he's, he's, when he's <laughs> been he's fired, been fired yes. and they need someone quick fire to, to bring them in. You're <laughs> absolutely right. That's 1-1 one, one over there with the present perfect and the interim. Get manager. shat on, see, bitch. This, this whole episode is going to be a, a contest. 
I'm keeping tabs. <laughs> so Lazio set up their 4-3-3 formation with Provedel in goal, Hisai on the left, Marisic on the right, with Romagnoli and Ciasale as a centre-back partnership. The midfield three consisted of Luis Alberto, Cataldi and Milinkovic-Savic. Zaccani was out on the left, Felipe Anderson on the right with Immobile up front. Mm-hmm. For Juventus, it was Szczesny in goal in their 3-5-1-1 formation with Sandro, Bremer and Gatti at the back. Quadrado out on the right, Kostic on the left, Rabiot... Locatelli and Fagioli were in the middle with Di Maria playing behind Vlaovic. So Juve played an extreme low block and halfway through the first half Lazio recorded 70% ball possession while Vlaovic was totally isolated up front. In the 38th minute, the first goal came through Sergei Milinkovic-Savic as Zakani crossed the ball perfectly to the big Serbian man who was in a tussle with Alexandro. Just before the ball arrived to SMS, Alexandro randomly dolphin-dived out of the way, allowing Sergei Milinkovic-Savic to control the ball and finish. Very, very strange defending there by Alexandro. Before I interrupt you for that, the 12th time today, please. Um, I'm just going to say that this game week in particular was filled with comical goals. Yes. And this one starts with that. Um, <laughs> if anyone's interested, um, and I'll end with this, if you're bored at work or, or, or just waiting for something, please, I, I plead you to go check the statistics. No, sorry, the, the highlights on YouTube of this game week. And you'll see the most comical goals in a game week I've ever seen. It's true, bro. It's like that song, no? I just feel like there like was a meme this week. It's a total meme, but anyways. Bit of a joke weekend, wasn't it? And everything it was. was so crammed as well. It All was. the games came, came over two, two days. So in the 42nd minute, there was a good reaction from Juventus as Di Maria swung in a corner and Bremer headed it, forcing a good reflex save by Provedel. But Rabiot was there to guide the ball into the back of the net. I'm going to say guide because he used his toe, his knee and his head to get it in eventually. It was quite chaotic over there. Whatever it takes, man. Yeah, whatever it takes, just get it over. Just put it in. In the 53rd... (laughs) In the 53rd minute, there was a magnificent team goal by Lazio, who worked their way forward. Eventually, Felipe Anderson played the ball to um, Luis Alberto, who flicked it behind him, Mm. to Zaccani, who finished expertly. A similar finish to um, El Sharawi's last last week. Yeah, I think they they took took a... What's the, what's the saying? They, they, you take something from the book, or how? How do you know? What, what the hell does it say? Like you, you our take listeners it, right now are like these guys are so sweet. English isn't their first language. It actually, actually it is. <laughs> they take a number out of your book. Yes, yes, I ah, guess that's it. That's sure, it. Let's, let's go for that one. You know what? Yeah, they took a page, a chapter, a page out yes. of the book. How eloquent I am, right? Eloquent, bro. Very well said. This is going to be unfiltered <laughs> and raw, guys. <laughs> This episode, we're not editing anything. You're gonna get it the way it came. If I fart, I'm sorry. Yes, there we go. Wait, did you even order food, by the way? No, I haven't. Okay, okay. he's gonna leave me hungry. It's fine. Yeah, that, that's it. You have your figoli. I no, it already. Um, in the 55th minute, just two minutes after um, Zakani's strike. Sergei Milinkovic-Savic squared it to Zakani again, who scored, but he was deemed to be in yeah. an offside. That was very position. close, actually. Yeah, that it was. was. That was just it inches was. away from the third three-one. It one. really was. Juve had opportunities to equalize, particularly through Vlaovic and Fagioli, but they both skied their efforts. And to be honest with you, they really couldn't get into this game. They left it too late, in my opinion. That 
Yeah. Their goal in the 42nd minute was Juve's first shot on target this game. Jesus. Yeah. But um, an interesting stat. Ooh, Jake with the stats again. Is, let me try to find it. So, I mentioned that Lazio had 70% ball possession, right? In okay. the first 30 minutes of the game. Um, the match ended with equal pos- possession. And Juventus out shooting Lazio 11 to 9, even though Lazio seemed to be in control for the vast majority of the game. So Interesting. I, 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 it's I, just a game of two two halves by Juve, to be honest with you. I just feel like, like, like we spoke about last week, I just feel that the game plan for Juve really is contain, 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 mm. and then explode towards the end of the match, or at least in the second half. Like yes. after the first like, 10, 15 minutes of the second half, they really come to life. Yeah. I think, that, I think that, that, that seems to be the plan. But of course, you know, when you concede two within those 50 minutes, then, you know, you're playing catch up. Yeah. So it's almost like they try to um, give their, their opponents a, a sense, a false sense of security. You know, to make you feel like to, you, to make you feel like you're in the game, and then they then they switch yeah. on, and then they just, and then they fuck you. You know, yeah. it's just Kostic on the break, Di Maria, you know, Chiesa, and then they just punish you immediately. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in fact, the statistical change was brought about when Di Maria and Chiesa played in um, a familiar wide role. They they actually changed position as the game went on to try okay. to to try to um, adapt this Lazio side, yeah. who really played well. Um, this win prevented Juve from moving a point within sixth place, Atalanta, and the European spot. Only to add to that, Juve couldn't take advantage of three of their four direct opponents um, flopping in the standings, basically, with Atalanta, Milan, and Inter all dropping points this yeah. weekend. Where, where do you think it went wrong for Juve, bro? I think this went wrong in the game plan, like we've been, we've been saying. I think that they maybe underestimated um, Lazio in a sense mm-hmm. that, you know, they thought that... I really genuinely feel like they thought they had this game before it started almost. I don't even know why. The, 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 I feel like they really underestimated them. I'm repeating myself, but, yeah. you know... Uh, Could it, it be a, a case it, it of com- overestimating them, perhaps respecting them too much to not even try to attack them? First no. shot on target in the 42nd minute. I, I, I really believe that... Um, I really believe that, that that they came into this probably wanting to, to get an early goal. But I feel like Lazio were so turned on from the start that they had no choice almost. Lazio were, mm. were all over them. They were constantly battering them. And I feel like that maybe was something that Juve didn't prepare for too well because they weren't containing with the, like if 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 you play if you play with the with the, with the logic that okay you're gonna contain the team and then you're gonna explode then you should be well suited, well adapted to, to to handle that and to handle that intensity and they definitely weren't yeah especially defensively it's true um, so I feel like I feel that's where it went wrong because because then when they did change their game plan. It was okay. It's a little, little too late. Maybe lots started, started to, to sit back, but you could see that they had they had the players to outperform them, and I feel like they weren't utilized. And how many times are they not going to use Vlahovic in games, man? Yeah, like what the fuck's the point in, in, in buying the striker then? Honestly, if you're not going to use him, listen, listen to this statistic, man. Dusan Vlaovic touched the ball 14 times in 63 minutes. Vlaovic and Milik combined touched the ball a total of 22 times this game. Jesus. Yeah, bro. That's, it's, it's, that's, it's that's quite not bad. good for a top striker. Yeah, and, and Juve have scored only 13 away goals. Uh, 
in Serie A this But like we were saying, you know, Juve are, are back to winning those one zeros and winning and winning, yeah. winning, winning cheap, winning um, pragmatically. Um, pra- yeah, but but that's the thing. So typically, when they get those wins, it's their defensive solidarity, you know, that stands out. Like that nine nine clean sheet period in a row. What was it? Um, now you, you look at the goals they conceded. They were two massive individual errors. You know, you look at the first one. You have Sandro diving out of the way like an amateur. I'm sorry, like comically. You know, like what the fuck is he doing? And in the second one, you have Quadrado rushing the Luis Alberto who's receiving the ball. Luis Alberto who's known to be a magician, a wizard on the ball, completely leaving Zakani, one of the hottest players. Free on I, the don't, I, I don't know what that one's a real defensive howl. I argue with you about the first one. That was just a joke. I have yeah. no idea what the fuck Alexander was doing. The second one, I think, was just. I think it was just a really well planned, well, well, well executed move. And yeah. then, then it was just you trying to play catch up when it was way too late. Yes. Um, Z- Zakani said that uh, they had tried it in training, but the defender intercepted the ball. They had tried it a day before, so it's a okay. little, a little bit of a jab. Interesting. Um, are you, as 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 a person, Luke Mintoff? Mm-hmm. Does it intrigue you at all that Vlaovic has disabled his Instagram? Oh, really? Yeah. Holy shit! With two or three million followers, something like that, I had and no he's idea taken about it that. down. Yeah, yeah. He suffered an injury recently. No. Do you think these things? Sh- could be looked into Do you think it's all It's all fun That people look into these things Or do you think There's actually substance Behind it sometimes In what sense Look into them Because he sent off his profile mm, People look at it And say Like I saw comments You know Scrolling through the comments Of the news article People saying This is a poor mentality <laughs> Can't what handle the pressure Because pe- because people are probably I mean it Depends on the kind of person you are eh? If I was that kind of person And in the limited sports That I do And it's a totally different sport I play handball I mean I, I can easily get influenced and, 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 and it will easily get into my head. I mean, j- just last week I had a bad performance and it didn't, it didn't help me that I was, you know, in my, in my own head. And imagine I'm a, I'm a professional sportsman and mm. I have to deal with constant, constant critique whenever I don't show up. I, yeah. I personally would probably do the same. Yeah. I'd, need, I'd need a break from social media. I need a break from, from, from dealing with it. And then when I'm ready to, to deal with it again, I would, I would come back. But, uh, but yeah. Um, um, apparently reports say that he has done this already before In his days at Fiorentina When he was going through a bit of a drought Apparently okay. it's a mental clarity thing Exactly like you're saying Fair It's enough. not really a, Yeah, then I, I, I fully understand this Especially getting a knock Because he, he uh, got injured this game He must be okay. very frustrated right now He must be, yeah We saw flashes this game of uh, the Chiesa we had come to know, my brother We did, we did this was um, Direct attacking the byline, you know it was, it It's was nice, nice to see, see. It's nice yeah, to see I, ho- I, I, hope, I hope we see more of it towards t- uh, in the last 10 games of the season No, 8 games, sorry 8 games yeah. of the season the, um, So we talked a bit about Juve over there um, Lazio, of course, full of praise for Lazio Are they yeah. really the best of the rest? I mean, like, I, like, we, like we spoke about this, I think it was on, it was on a WhatsApp group, no? I mean, we, we, we alluded to this point. Lazio definitely yeah. are, based off the team they have. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, I'm not saying that Juve aren't the second best team, but they should be with the team that they have. Yeah. But Lazio, with, in my opinion, only having a starting eleven. Okay, maybe there are no, three or four players who can come in and, and, and put in a shift. You know, you have Pedro, you have Vecino, you have... Um, Honestly, you... You that, have Lazzari and so on. But I, I feel like with that team, being second is a huge, huge achievement. And Agreed. they should be happy. 
especially with their main striker being injured half the season as well. Yeah. Having to play Felipe Anderson, who's not known for playing as a false nine, having to play there. I mean, th- there are a lot of things that shouldn't... That, that be- Luis Alberto at the beginning of the season was completely ostracized. Yes. So it just, it just proves the point. This team shouldn't be second, but they are because they're playing good football. Yes. And they are killing teams when they have a chance. Absolutely, bro. Totally agreed. Um, the lack of depth was a point I was going to address. Um, it does favor them, Lotito and Lazio in general. The fact that um, Sarri has never been a guy to really make many substitutions or really change personnel around, right? Yeah. I like mean, yeah, I mean, it, three it, substitutions maximum each game. You must really feel that the team he has on the pitch is the team that will win the game. And yeah. they must be very well. Professionally fit I mean uh, You know They're doing 90 minutes Per game almost That's true Um, Before I get to the table Is there anything You'd like to say About Lazio and Juve Particularly Or this game bro Any observations Um, Overall I think We've we've, we've gone over them I think I want to talk A bit about But I think it's going to Come up later on In in the episode I just want to talk about um, The top four in general So um, We'll we'll get to that When it comes But uh, But yeah Can you uh, let us know what's happening in the table. Where are Lazio, dude? Yes, um, I would love to, but my computer has frozen. Shall I do it for you, my friend? Yes, please, my friend. So we, <laughs> so we have Lazio in second with 58 points, and we have Juve sitting in seventh with 44. You're up, bro. Am I up? And we have Lecce um, hosting Napoli in a scoreline of 1-2. to two. Um, some interesting stats before before we kick off the lineups and into the game itself. We have got Lecce with, by the way, the worst form in the league in the last five game weeks yeah. with zero wins, zero draws, and five losses. And then we have Napoli with four wins, zero draws, and one loss. Napoli are historically favored in this encounter with six wins, two draws, and two losses versus Lecce. And <clears throat> one interesting thing to, to, to point out too is on one thing I wanted to speak a little bit about before we get into get into the game. Based off how Lecce has progressively gotten worse mm-hmm. over the season, have they been found out? That's my question to you. <clears throat> um, maybe. Um, they are a team that tend to shock their opponents by pressing very aggressively early on. Yeah. And they got quite a bit of success against the big teams, especially early on the season. Yeah. So it could be the case. It could also be the case that um, the season is long, games are, can be crammed, they don't have a particularly deep squad. It could be fatigue, you know, it could be form as well. I feel like many of their players were actually overachieving, particularly in the in the forward line. Like, Cissé never really hit the ground running. Colombo is good and flashes. No, he's still a young youth product. So at the end of the day, the creative spark is all in the hands of Strefezza. Mm. And he isn't a player with he great did, Serie A He didn't even start this week. He didn't even start this week. There we go. Um, yeah, so that, that could be the case. Um, I am slightly concerned about them. They, they, they're starting to look bad and it's starting to look a little bit scary. Because they're not too far away from the drop zone now. Yeah, they're on 27 points, right? Yes, which is five points away from Verona. Yeah, people have been relegated with 27 points. Of course, it has happened many a time. 
But anywho, um, a few other things to point out too is that Napoli have had the most 10 plus pass sequences in open play of any side in Serie A this season with 486, whilst Lecce has the fewest with 69. Nice. That is, um, first of all, a, a nice little so, dig at 69, but apart from that, it's a very low number for is, a team in the is. top flight. Um, <clears throat> furthermore, we have we have something which could have happened in this game week is with the fact that Napoli could have lost two consecutive games in a row since December 21. And um, I say that there was a risk of that based of how abysmal they were in the previous game and how moving into this coming into this game they could have definitely had um, morale issues and Lecce could have definitely exploited that but it wasn't the case um, <clears throat> a few things to, to, to point out to in the starting lineups were that Osimhen was still injured for um, the incoming Raspadori and Elmas came in for Zelensky who's probably being rested for the Champions League Umtiti for Lecce came back in from injury Male was back in, in uh, the starting eleven in exchange for Blin Di Francesco and Udan came in for Strefezza and Banda a heavily altered Lecce side to go over the lineups now, we have a 4-3-3 for Lecce with Falcone at the back in goal. We have Gallo, Umtiti, Bashkirota and Jandre in defence. We have Male, Hulmund and Gonzalez in the midfield. Di Francesco, Cisse and Udon up front. On the other side, we have Napoli also in a 4-3-3 formation with Raspadori, Gvaraskelia and Lozano up front. We have Elmas, Lobotka and Angissa in the centre of the midfield. And then we've got Rui, Kim, Rahmani and Di Lorenza as defenders with Mere in goal. So um, a couple of more things to, to, um, to mention is, well, actually, my last point to mention before we go over this, the, the, the highlights is that with so many changes in Lecce's game, in Lecce's team, excuse me, against such a top team, well, the, the top team, mm-hmm. Is or slash was Baroni running out of ideas? Why would you alter a team so heavily again? Sometimes uh, p- p- partially um, replacing some of your top players hmm. against the best team in the league. Like, what's the, what's the mindset there? Um, I think maybe his idea was let's hold out and try to get them with an impact sub. Maybe maybe I, try I think, to I think press that's very wishful thinking out. against a team it which, really which just got wrecked and needed a needed an answer needed an answer yeah. a desperate answer or maybe it could be something as simple as they're probably preparing for Strefetsa mainly let's not start Strefetsa to see if we can confu- cause some but confusion he's, he's over their main there. hope I know it, it yeah, doesn't make sense it bro. doesn't make it's it's a weird one to me but, but anyway it, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Napoli different didn't have their best game of the of of the year, but still, I mean, I don't know. I don't. Know. It's what it is. It's happened, and it it was just a point I wanted to mention. Yeah. Like, um, why make that change? But there may be re- there may be reasons, and I mean, probably there's stuff which I don't I I can't see from the from face value. Mm-hmm. Um, to 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 start with the game now as uh, now itself, let's just start the game actually pretty well to be honest with you. Uh, they contained Napoli for the first few minutes and um, they even came close to scoring pretty early on when the ball was floated into the box 
and Malen nearly dinked the ball over uh, Meran, which good was which save, was huh? well saved. Yeah, to be yeah, fair yeah. with you, uh, Meran had a good game this game week um, overall. Um, but then one uh, zero did occur in the 18th minute after a free kick set piece failed to materialize for Napoli. Kim received the ball on the edge of the right hand side of the box. He played the pass to Lozano, who then gives it to Angisa. Kim then opens himself up on the right-hand flank for a return pass. He then unleashes a good cross into the box and a lovely header from Di Lorenzo, giving Falcone no chance. 1-0. Very well-executed goal. Um, a great goal from the captain. And um, it was, it was, it was uh, a, ni- a nice goal to see. Napoli could have then made it two or three goals in the first half, but there were good saves from Falcone to keep it 1-0. In the second half, we have the... Well, second goal of the game, 1-1 in the 52nd minute, another set piece, this game leading to a goal. A sweeping ball goes all the way from the far post. This was a free kick way out from uh, about 40 yards out. Bascarotta receives the ball way, way out on the far post. He wins the ball, of course, with his strength. He then heads the ball back to his teammates in the center of the box. Cisse then headers the ball onto the crossbar. It falls back into the middle of the into the middle of the six yard area where Di Francesco manages to get the ball and slots it home. Very well well executed finish. Good reactions from Di Francesco. It's always nice when this guy scores. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still, he's such a like likable character. It means him? a lot to him every yes. goal. Every goal you just see it on his face. Yeah. You see, he just can't not like the guy. But it was um, it was actually a well executed goal from from mm-hmm. from Lecce. I mean, they they had a plan there and it definitely worked. And Pascherotto was once again fundamental in, in leading up to a goal. So. Yeah. Um, it was pretty huge um, And then Just nine minutes later 2-1 um, And I think this, is, this this really Kind of Helps to understand Why Lecce are struggling so much Gvara uh, Skele gets the ball And he, he He manages to tee up A cross for Mario Rui On the edge of the On the edge of the area Who then whips a strong Cross towards goal Gallo Who is flat footed um, Basically knees the ball Towards his own goal and um, deflects it into goal. Um, but Falcone could have, well, should have definitely caught yeah, the ball yeah. and it simply um, slips out of his hands. Maybe he wasn't expecting the goal, he wasn't expecting the ball to happen, uh, to, to, well, to land where it landed. And it almost looked like in slow motion, it just slips out of his fingertips and just goes in. It was a really, that was a really comical we goal. Should, we should count them. That's the second one. That's already. the second comical goal two this games, week. Two and honestly, it was hilarious. Please go watch it and just shake your heads in disbelief. And Falcone has been doing so well. He, he actually has. got a, a call up to the Italian yeah, national team. He had team. a howler. He had a howler. Yeah, had a howler. There were a few yeah. more chances in this game, either to, to, to you know to to increase the scoreline or to come draw. Um, but then in the end, it was it was it remained it remained the same. Um, <clears throat> a few talking points. Um, Napoli come back to winning ways, which is very important for them. Um, but I think, which is important to note, they still they still struggle without Osiman. And yeah. I mean, I mean, this wasn't their best performance by far, and you can see that their talisman isn't there and they're struggling. And I wanted to make a little point, and I wanted to maybe suck up my pride and maybe agree with you that maybe Osiman is their top of the season. Kvara hasn't been playing too well in the last two games. Arguably, it's only two games, so you can't be too sensationalist and say, okay, he's not the top anymore. Mm-hmm. But he isn't the same player without Osimen up front. So maybe Osimen is, in fact, giving him that space and that, and, and that, um, that opportunity to really excel. 
Yes, bro. Um, Ozyman adds a totally new dynamic up front that allows them to attack in many different ways um, that they simply can't do with uh, Raspadori or Simeone up front. Granted, again, deployable players, good players, but there are no Victor Ozyman. Victor Ozyman right now, I think, is a top five striker in the world at the moment. I maybe even go top three, but he's, yeah. he's up there. Let's, let, yeah. let, let's just not go, let's not be too sensationalist, but he's definitely up there. Um, 100%. Yeah. Um, um, and also now, bad news for Napoli as Raspadori's training individually. All, all their strikers, all their strikers are, now are out. injured. Yes. All of them. And they play Milan on Wednesday. I, I, I think they're going to have to result in maybe Elmas playing a, a false nine or maybe Lozano. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something's going to have to happen. We'll see. It, it's, it's looking dire for them now. Um, but at, at this point, with Lozano just trying to run in behind Tomori and Kier, that might not be the bad, bad shot. might honestly. not be the worst thing in the world. Um, and one other point is the league almost over now no, the league's with, over, with, yeah. with, with, um, with Milan and Inter losing points or um, or with Roma and Lazio kind of still in rejuvenating form is, is, is it not over yet this was my point you know Roma and Lazio are looking better and better each game week Napoli are arguably worse without Osimen. of course it's theirs to lose now, but um, with two big teams like Inter and Milan going out, they're, they're basically out of the running, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like do you feel like it's all truly over now? No, I feel like it's done and dusted. today. I don't think anyone really believes, to be honest with you. And it'll take pretty much Napoli need to lose every single game that's left. No, pretty much mathematically, like they have to lose they, most. They have, of they them. have to lose a lot. And of games. I, I can't see that happening. I can't see that happening. No, I think Napoli have won the league. Um, already they say it ain't over till the fat lady sings but trust me she she been singing bro I think she has been singing yes um, but yeah it's 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 an interesting point um, one thing else to mention is that um, if Lazio and Roma keep this up mm-hmm. and Juve get their points back um, Inter and Milan won't have Champions League football Yes, I, I will mean, say that Milan I still believe in them very much and I still think that they will remain in the top four I feel, I feel like Roma will eventually creep out it's my opinion mm-hmm. but it's it's a dangerous position for both of them right now I mean if you, if you the scary thing about looking at this top four right now is when you look at the managers right because they're all winners there. they're all winners all, they're all like, like you look at you look at okay so you have Napoli Spalletti is known to be the top four specialist no he would get you top four back in the day now he's going to win you the league but he's a top four specialist you look at Sarri again a, a guy who's used to playing in European tournaments a, a manager who's used to finishing top four in the league um, Mourinho Another huge Another man. guy Yeah You look at Allegri Another guy another it, it, it's, it's It's scary tough, man. It's very yeah. scary And um, Yes bro I don't know if, if Milan even have an edge Over Roma right now Roma seem to have Nailed this Street smart Approach In just kind of Killing games off Expertly and defensively They look so good They're good They're They look good. so They're good Defensively Honestly, I mean, and like, the defenders aren't even that great. Bar Smalling, maybe, but I think I think they're coherent, though. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. They don't have, you don't have to be the best to be good. I mean, I mean, you don't have to be the best to be the best defensive team. Yeah. You have to work well together. Totally. Agree. Um, so yeah, um, that's 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 mostly it from my side. We'll just go over the the standings. We have Napoli still in first with seventy four points, and now we have Lecce falling down to sixteenth. With 27 points Just one point above Spezia in 17th 
The next game we're going to be covering, of course, I had to be the one to cover this one, was Milan nil Empoli nil. Milan had won their previous four Serie A matches against Empoli, but historically, they have never won five in a row against them in Serie A. The statistic is too powerful. If something has never happened, the chances are it won't happen. Now, Milan... Yeah. Failed to score against Empoli this time round. Empoli's last say a clean sheet against Milan was back in October 2007 when they won 1-0 at the Meazza thanks to a goal by Luca Saudati. Since then, Milan have scored 27 goals in 12 games against Empoli, 2.3 goals per game on average. Not today. AC Milan have had the most direct attacks of any side in, say, uh, this season, 74, while Empoli have had only 29, the second fewest ahead of Sampdoria. So this was literally the best offensive weapon against the second worst offensive weapon in the league. For Milan, it was yeah. Stefano Pioli's 4-2-3-1 formation over here, or rather 4-3-3, depending on how you look at it. Manian was in goal, Teo Hernandez on the left, Calabria on the right, with Malik Chao and Tomori as the centre-back duo. The midfield double pivot was Pobega and Tonali, mm-hmm. with Rebic out on the left, Salamakers on the right. Benasser as the trequartista and Origi as the striker. Of course, those three, um, Pobega, Tonali and Benasser, would shift um, for mm-hmm. the entirety of the game. Pobega taking that um, advanced position quite often. I see you giggling when I said the, wor- the word Origi, bro. Trust me, I, I feel like crying, man. I feel like crying with this guy. But anyway, um, for Empoli, it was a 4-3-1-2 formation with Perizan in goal, Ebuehi on the right, Parisi on the left, Luperto and De Winter with the centre-back duo, Fazzini continued his good form in the middle with Marin and Bandinelli, Baldanzi playing behind Caputo and Piccoli. They all put in a shift, these lecture, oh, these Empoli guys, they, they all ran and they, ran they, they, and they, worked. They, they played as a team. They, they played as a unit, maybe better than a team, is, 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 is yeah. a way to put it. Now, Milan had um, 23 attempts um, to Empoli's two attempts. Empoli only had one shot on target. Milan had 70% ball possession. Um, Milan had a penalty awarded that mm. was... Um, no, sorry, sorry. Milan had a penalty that is said to... to should have... Oh God, I can't English. <laughs> <laughs> Milan were meant Milan, to be have given a penalty. But not... It, it is said that Milan were meant to be given a penalty. Because it, was, it wasn't, it, it was controversial. Yeah, it was a controversial yeah. penalty decision. Yeah, and that came out uh, in the second half when uh, Theo Hernandez was tripped on the edge of the area, um, or on the line rather, on the line of the yeah. box. But to me, you know, looking at these incidents, is, uh, it's fucking, it's for the birds. It's useless. Um, Origi missed a very good opportunity with a with a back heel spin, kind of a pirouette. Very, very right? good chance. Very good chance. Very good finish. Very, Yes, um, <laughs> Saturday night and you move like a piece of shit <laughs> Giroud scored but it was with his elbow and it didn't count of course Were and, you freaking uh, out when he scored? I was freaking out, I lost my voice a bit, I'm still a bit hoarse oh, shit. From that moment, oh, then, then it went to VAR, I saw it immediately And then as soon as the replay came on I'm like oh god that's his hand But whatever, whatever, what did you, what do you think bro? Is depth a problem for Milan? Let me ask you a, a more leading question. Is depth a problem? Think, I don't think it will. I don't think depth's a massive issue. I just feel like, I just feel like this is this is this is Milan's season. A really good performance, and then they can't really. 
Correct me if I'm wrong, you've obviously watched Milan much more than me, but I haven't seen that continuity this season. They'll have a good game, and then the next game it, they'll maybe still win, but it won't be as convincing, and, and it's a little bit, it's a little bit like, you know... Um, up sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Basically, yeah. I mean, that's a good way to put it if you're Gattuso. I mean, yeah. he, is a, he is an ex-Milan, so I think um, I'll take his word for it. Yeah. Um, bro, totally, Milan have definitely been streaky, and sometimes it looks like it could be a lack of motivation. Sometimes it looks like fatigue. You can't. Sometimes it's luck. Like this game, this Empoli game, I don't know. But, but statistically, you know, not even statistically, you look at the performance on the pitch, Milan probably deserved to win this one. Yeah. Um, but again, you can't look at a Mino side like Empoli, who's set up to do exactly this, and they managed to do it to perfection and say that they deserve to lose, because that wouldn't be fair either. No, so so credit to, to Paolo Zanetti as well. No, and was the, very and, humble. And, and, the, the and their defense was solid this game. It really was. And like I said, they played as a unit. They, they all had, they had a goal. An objective, and well, they accomplished. I don't. I think they did definitely play for a draw today. Yes. yes. Well, in that day, actually, sorry. For sure. Um, for Milan, Pioli perhaps rotated a bit too heavily, though. Huh? I, I I don't think. I think Giroud should have started. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why are you okay? So let's say I, Leo. I don't think Shrebe should have started. I don't. I don't think Rebbe should have yeah. started after not playing for so long to give him a call up. Yeah. Against an Empoli side, I don't know, man. I, I, I think there were a lot of gambles here. Pobega back. There's way, way too many. You can get away with one of those players starting, mm-hmm. but not three after just crushing Napoli. Yeah, you can't. He's obviously thinking about the the Champions League. Fair tie, enough. Right? Um, but you're also risking, you know. I mean, but I do agree with you. I mean, at this rate, no offense, but you. I don't think you're going to win the Champions League. It would be, it no, would I be, mean. it would be, it would be a historic moment, and I think it would be something for the actual insanity of of, of football. I think the, the priority should but be you the know, league. But you know, bro, the weird thing is that when you look at the Champions Leagues that Milan have won, and you look at the their domestic form. It was always like this. Huh? Milan have hardly ever done the double. Fair, fair. I mean, you know, it's really strange. So, like, maybe it is something that's deeply rooted in the DNA, something that we can't really explain. Something that's palpable. I, I, I just feel it's a very risky game. It um, is. It's no, a very risky game. Yeah, if you're gonna have hard fixture against Napoli, and the next fixture is not gonna be easy either. Yeah. You know, um, Bologna. Um, and then you're gonna if you if you even beat Napoli in the Champions uh, League, you're gonna have either Inter, Inter or, Benfica. or Benfica, which are which are no jokes either. Yeah, no in, jokes. Inter, Could have been worse, but no jokes. Inter Inter Milan this season. I mean, that's gonna get into your head. Then yeah. they've been they've bested you a number of times. You know. True. For me, bro, I totally agree with your point on perhaps not starting all these guys together. If you have Brahim Diaz and Leao, who have both suffered knocks, so maybe it's best to rest them before the Champions bring League. Then, then bring, bring in Giroud. Exactly, sorry. keep Giroud in. You know, keep your someone who has actually scored more than two goals this season. <laughs> That would have been splendid. Now, yes, um, four million a season is what Divock Origi is earning. He has failed to establish himself. He always looks like he's one step behind in the link-up play, be it in the box, you know. He actually has started to receive boos from the fans. I mean, no shit, man. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's been a he's been prop of the season. Yeah. Yeah, um, when it comes to your point before, by the way, of Milan rotating and uh, winning and then not exactly playing well uh-huh. and whatever after after rotating, 
Milan have made five changes to their starting eleven in nine games. Only four of them, however, ended in wins. So basically, that, 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 that if you look at that statistic, it's a win every other game. Yeah. So so <laughs> that's just basically proving the point here. Yeah? True. True. Um, nice to see, however, that Milan were quite defensively sound with their four-two-three-one formation. Although they were against an opponent who isn't Don't really going attack. to to trouble you. Huh? No. Um, you know, 70% possession and conceding only one shot on target, that's very nice. Um, Zanetti, as I mentioned before, um, said that he isn't embarrassed to admit taking a conservative approach against Milan. He said that you can't give Milan space or they'll destroy you, so he tried to keep everything tight with the Sampoli side. Um, they practiced fighting for every ball and keeping the pace as low as possible. That was their game plan. That was their game plan coming into the game, and he said it himself. Um, Zanetti also praised Perizan, the goalkeeper, who had a very good game this time round, um, saying that he is filling in for the best goalkeeper in Serie at the moment, of course, Guillermo Vicario. And he said that if Vicario does the part, the replacement's already there. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's that nice is nice. Nice to see. Um, he also praised the winter, who had a great game. Um, he plays better in one-offs than he does when given consistent game time. And he was a player who was playing in Serie last season, the winter. So it was a massive step up for him. And shout yeah. out, he had a very good game as well. Um, personally, yes, um, not much left to add to this game. I don't know about you. No, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I was actually waiting for you to speak about the highlights, but there aren't any highlights. There aren't any highlights. <laughs> So I agree. I mean, that, I mean, you know, I mean, there's no point to go over. I think we've mentioned all the points. We've talked about yeah. what what the issues are. So I think let's just you know wrap it around, wrap it, wrap it yeah. there. Unless so, you have anything else to. No, let's let's just see what happens on Wednesday. I'm very excited to watch that Ooh, game. Oh, that's gonna be it's gonna be feisty. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Oof, after that four, the, the four nil just adds an extra layer of fucking. Juicy goodness, dude. That's what it does. So Milan are currently fourth with fifty-two points, while Empoli are fourteenth with thirty-two points. Bro. Yes, sir. So we're off to the next game. It is Torino nil, Roma one. We have kind of well, not kind of. We have some um, some some stats as per usual for this game. We have Torino coming in with two wins, one draw, and two losses. Where Roma come in with two wins, one draw, and two losses. Here we go. Very, very balanced form-wise. Not so very balanced historically-wise. We have Roma with seven wins, two losses, and one draw against Torino. So we can see that historically here, Roma are the favourites and always find a way to get the one up above Ro- uh, above uh, Torino. Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> we have a few changes as well for the starting lineups in this in this. Um, in this match, we've got Ginetis. Ginetis. I'm not too sure how to say Ginetis. Ginetis. He's from Ginetis. Lithuania, so probably it's pronounced totally different. Yeah. But um, uh, Ginetis is replacing <laughs> <laughs> is replacing Ilicic uh, or Ileti in uh, the middle of the pitch in midfield. Um, other than that, they have a very standard formation for Torino. Whereas we have a couple of changes for Roma. We now seem to have Lorente. Um, kind of benching Ibanez um, at the back. He's he's been partnering up with Smalling and Mancini, and is and is is is, is putting in a shift there. We have El Sharawi back in the starting lineup, which was interesting as well. He's mostly come on as a super sub, so he was given the nod for this game. And we also have Sol Bakken, Sol Bakken! starting as a striker 
up front. One small point I want, well, two small points I wanted to mention was we mentioned last week that Abrahams is no longer the Pupino of Mourinho. Yes. Um, is this a clear example of your point or is this squad rotation? Um, Because Torino is no team you want to squad rotate around. No, definitely not, right? Um, that's that's a very good point. I feel like maybe he wanted uh, something different, no, up front this mm-hmm. game. Okay. Then, um, so you don't think it's slowly Mourinho giving up on Abrahams then? No, I, 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 I do think that he's slowly giving up on, on Abraham. Was Bellotti injured this game? I, I, I'm not too sure to be honest. I haven't, I haven't okay. checked it out, but um, okay. I don't believe he was. It's I don't okay. believe he was. Maybe he wanted to try something more fluid. You know, okay. it's, it's no, it's no um, myth that Abraham hasn't had the best season. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. And um, one other thing to, to mention is that um, I just wanted to speak about El Shirawi this season. Mm. Overall, um, he's been really good. He he's has. been, you know, for a guy who, who, who a couple of seasons ago he was playing in China, um, you know, 22 games, four goals, three assists, not terrible for a guy who's 30 years old and, and, and hasn't been playing in, you know, extremely competitive football. So um, I feel like I feel like this is... It's nice to see him back. It is, it is, it is. Um, and it's nice to see him back playing good as well, you know, at, at an important team, you know. So I think yeah. overall, all things considered, um, they should be happy to have him. You remember him when we were young, right? I sure do. I, I used to be so scared that United have to face him in the Champions League. <laughs> I used to be like, oh, God, I can't, I, I, I can't see Milan beat United again. It has to be this <laughs> motherfucker with the stupidest mohawk to beat us. So I was, I was always really terrified, yeah. actually. Um, he was he was so good back he then. Was, he was such a hot he, talent. He was sensational. And and if you had to watch what he's doing at Roma now, like if you had to show a kid who's watching teenage El Sharawi play and you have to show him this is what he does now, they'd, they'd be like, What the fuck happened? Yeah. When in reality we're just happy because he's actually playing at the highest level again yes. after spending yes. some time out in China. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um okay, so so off we go into the game. Oh, uh, have I spoken about the lineups? No, I have not. Um lineups are are as follows. We have a 3-4-2-1 for Torino with Milinkovic Savic as the goalkeeper. We have Bonjona, Schurz and Gravillon in defense. We have Rodriguez, Genitals, Richie and Singo in midfield. We've got Radonjic, Miranchuk and Sanabria up front. We then have the same formation again in the second game because I'm choosing in a row. First Lecce with the 4-3-3 and, uh, mm. and then same thing for Napoli. And here we go again. We have a 3-4-2-1 for Roma with Sol Bakken up front. We have Dybala and El Sharawi as the supporting well, attackers, strikers, whatever you want to call them. We've got Zalewski, Cristante, Wijnaldum and Spinazzola as the uh, midfielders with Mancini, Smalling and Lorente in defence, Patricio in goal. Um, so off we go to the game itself. Um, basically, one thing to mention, and I think it's going to be probably my main talking point, is this thing. This game couldn't have started off worse for Torino, with pretty much um, Roma's first chance on goal. Zalewski was charging down the right flank. He moved into the 18-yard area. He cracked a shot towards goal. Schurz tried to block it as best he could, but unfortunately, clearly handled the ball inside the box penalty. Clear it was almost like a slide forward, right? It was, it was, it was like, I just ball. want to give you guys a penalty. Here yeah. you go. <laughs> Another Comi- comedy of the, of, the, yeah. of the week again. And, and then the Milan game, the comical one would be the Origi spin, by the way, for sure. Oh, he was, yeah. I, 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 I genuinely thought, felt that he's practicing some kind of dance moves for the ladies <laughs> in, in Milan or something. I don't know what's going on there. 
But anyways, in the eighth minute, Mr. Clinical this season steps up and slots the goal, slots the ball in the middle of the in the middle of the goal, 1-0. Dybala has been sensational. Yes. Um basically I um basically the, the, the first half was was pretty quiet. Um this definitely changed the game plan for both teams, I believe. And um and you know a- apart from one long shot from Rodriguez, there was not much to 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 point out for 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 this for this first half. And Roma were just basically absorbing the Torino pressure. You know Rodriguez has never scored for Torino. I know that man. I wanted to mention. Oh it, shit! But, uh, I stole your thunder. No, it's fine. It's fine. He has never scored, man. That's crazy. Never, That's very, crazy. It's very crazy. Never thinking about him in fantasy football ever again. I don't there know why he's there he's always go, on my paper. There you go, man. Pick him next year. Please. Yeah, never. Um, second half was way more fiery. Torino came out with um, with a lot of more passion and 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 and. Uh, Enthusiasm. Mirancho coming close to a coming close to a goal with a with a header towards goal, which was well saved by Rui. There were lots of um, battles in the midfield. It was you know back and forth. But um, the main and last point to talk about was four minutes on the end of the game. Matic won the ball in the middle of the field. He then released a charging time. Abrams was going down the left flank. He chops the ball and then releases a curling shot. And I believe that if he was playing American football, he would have gone to. <laughs> It wasn't that bad, bro. <laughs> it, it wasn't bro, that bad. It was way off target. <laughs> oh come on! It was way off target. It was it was high and it was wide, but it wasn't that bad. No, I mean, he had just come on. He was on the pitch for seven minutes, and so I mean, he didn't really have the opportunity to to warm himself what up. I'm to get the is, all I'm saying, he's just playing the wrong sport. <laughs> <laughs> if he was playing American football, he got three, three. He would get three points for the team. So yeah. I mean, I'm just telling. I, I might send well, a message. I don't know. I will, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But his technique, not not to like no, his technique was good there. But but it, it always surprises me when you see a, a tree-like figure like Tammy Abraham chopping and like doing these stepovers and these tidy little tricks with their feet. It's, it's nice to see. It is nice to see, but it's not nice to see how he finishes. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. So that, that that's the end of the game. One zero for Roma. Um, kind of, you know. Job, you know, um, standard day in the office for Roma. Yes. They, 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 they got this through to the to the end, and 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 basically, they did what had to be done. Uh, Roma were relatively unchallenged in this game. There were a couple of chances for Torino, but nothing where you say, "Oh, how unlucky Torino should have should have come close to you know should have should have got the the equalizer." I think the best moment they had was the Miranchuk. That was the, the Mer- Miranchuk had a great. I think that that was the, that was the, it was a really good save. Like Rui had a brilliant save. It was it was it was goal it was goal bound and it was it was it was yeah, um, yeah it was really well That's saved. The only save of the game was yeah. Yeah, it was and it was and a very important one as well. Yeah, uh, hugely important. Defense looked really solid for Roma again. Um, he, Mourinho seems to have really strong a strong system now at the back. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, that if if if, when, if any of these defenders start to look out of sorts, he's got Ibanez hungry to come back into that yeah, squad and be like, yeah. "Hey, I want my spot back." So uh, I really like how he how he sticks to at least two defenders at the back, and he's always playing with the last one. You know, like whoever's not playing too well, you better watch out because your spot's going to be replaced. Yeah, and I like that a lot, and I think it really helps to bring them continuity at the back. Um, Roma aren't playing brilliant football, but they're playing better than they were at the beginning of the season where basically you'd watch a game for Roma and they would not have one single attack being strong. More is happening. It's not enough, definitely. It's not enough that you expect from a team like this. Um, 
having Wijnaldum and Spinazzola helps a lot. It is helping, yeah. and, and, and you can see that it's helping, but one point I wanted to mention was the fact that they don't have a proper number nine must also be a reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have Dybala, and this is my last point to mention, they have Dybala playing as that false nine, and it works, but I don't think it works for a full game. I think at a point Dybala then tends to have a shift downwards in his game, he gets tired, he needs more support, and I think as the game goes on and Roma don't get a goal, I think they really begin to struggle then. Yeah, totally. Um, you look at the system, it's, it's like the ball and the giants, no? Yeah. The ball and the jumpers. <laughs> you know, like this team is, it's crazy how you could highlight the importance of every player and it's so simple. Like it's like, okay, you got Spinazzola, Zaleski, fast drive. Cristante, big, strong. <laughs> Mancini, yes. smalling. Maybe one Lerner, other, one other small. bit yeah. that like flex player in the middle. Yeah, you, you kind of the, the engine, engine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but but they, Mourinho knows exactly what this team is good at and he prepares them for that and he's instilled this mentality in them that if you if you get an early goal, you are not fucking conceding. No. You are not conceding. No. That's the last thing that's going to happen. And they're really calm. I, I like yeah. how composed they are. It's nice to see a, a very composed team. Not yeah. Sassuolo, basically. Um, Have you um, heard, by the way, of the Cassano? I've, had, I've been seeing all, this beef. Beef. I've seen all this beef going oh on. It looks like two, two yeah. girls... And uh, the boyfriend they can't, they can't, the, the guy that they can't um, cl- clutch onto. They, they, they look like two whiny little bitches, in my opinion. Bro, it's, it's hilarious. Though. It's comical. It's so, it's petty, that's what it's it is. So, it's it is, so, it is petty. beyond, it is Italian pettiness yeah. at its best. You, so, you know what's going on. Like, I've been following, but to be honest, these things tend to really um, okay. uninterest me very quickly. Okay. So, I, I kind of switched off from it. For the listeners, quickly though. Um, Basically, Cassano compared, uh, well, rather contrasted uh, Mourinho to Sarri, saying that um, Sarri loves football and he's got this passion for the game, where Mourinho doesn't give a fuck. And that's a quote. He said, Mourinho doesn't give a fuck about playing beautiful football, he doesn't give a fuck about football. Then Mourinho hit back and he entered his mental archives, you know, he looked okay. through them a bit and he found some shit on Cassano. Apparently, Mourinho often hits, hits out at these people eh, with random obscure stats. He must have, he must have a, 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 that notebook that yeah, he's been carrying around for years. It. So I go, okay, let's look for the Cassano rose, okay? <laughs> he's remembered in Madrid for his jacket. Because <laughs> he wore a funny jacket okay. when he went to sign. Um, he said he never won anything with uh, the teams he's been at, blah, 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 even though Cassano actually won the Scudetto with Milan in 2011 but yes now Cassano has hit back and said that Mourinho basically um, has um, proved him right in a way that he's always craving attention Mourinho mentioned some fight that Cassano had with an obscure player back in his inter days and Cassano was like how the hell did you even know about that like apparently the, the whole team had split them up but they were friends three days later Mourinho's bringing this up all these years later look how petty he is in a fucking interview yes but um, yeah that's it. Cassano's quite the character. And he, he also sure. said, uh, Mourinho, that um, some people are serious in this industry. Um, Cassano's just having fun, right, in this, in this industry. And then I got, it got me thinking, in this industry, what are we doing? Me and you? Yeah. And Matt, of course. Um, I suppose. Because we are having fun. You're though, having really. fun, yeah. but you're also giving a well, professionally um, organized podcast game in game it's not, it's not fun it has a fun twist to it yeah. but it's very serious in its in its intent of course you don't try to be serious people you love your jokes you love to keep it a bit um, a, a bit fresh and a, a bit, bit soft and a bit loose um, so it's a serious podcast in a 
loose way. Ooh, okay, loosely serious. I like that. That's our new motto. So I like my women. Or <laughs> <laughs> seriously loose. <laughs> that could also that could also be a thing. All right. Okay, so for the standings and to end this game here, we have Roma sitting in third with 53 points and Torino in 11th with 38 <clears throat> points. The next match we're going to be covering is Salernitana 1 Inter 1. The Milan clubs cannot catch a break. Inter, Inter and Salernitana had actually never drawn in Serie A before last weekend. Inter had won five of those meetings, including the two in the 21st century, compared to two for Salernitana in 1948 and 1999. Salernitana have drawn their last five league matches for the first time in their Serie A history. That's a fun mm-hmm. little stat for Salernitana over there. And Salernitana became Romelu Lukaku's 60th different opponent in the big five European oh, leagues. Shit. He has found the net against 48 of those sides. However, excluding penalties, Lukaku's last league goal was back in August at the Via del Mare against Lecce. Aye, aye, aye. Aye, aye, indeed. Um, Interloni Lorenzo Pirola was at the back for Salernitana and their ex-midfielder winger Kandreva of course um, featured on that Salernitana side mm-hmm. too let's get into it in detail 3-4-2-1 formation for Salernitana with Guillermo Ochoa larger than God himself in goal Pirola Gionber and Danilo Lich were at the back with Brotherich on the left and Braun on the right Vilena and Koulibaly formed the midfield double pivot Kandreva was out wide on the left with Castanos out on the right with Piontek as the spearhead over there for Inzaghi's inter it was a 3-5-2 formation with Onana in goal Darmian Devray and Acerbi at the back with Dumfries on the right wing Gossens was on the left wing with Mkhitaryan Aslani and Barella in the middle Correa and Lukaku formed the striking partnership up front. Now, in the sixth minute, um, Lukaku headed down a long ball and found Robin Gossens running forward inside the box. The German sent a first-time effort curling into the top corner. Inter's first goal from open play in over 400 minutes of football. Inter controlled the remainder of the first half with 60% ball possession and 11 shots, five of them on target, including a big miss by Big Rom, who headed directly at Ochoa after Dumfries' cross, and Salernitana only had one shot in the first half. The second half started in the same way for Inter with Barella striking the post in the 49th minute. In the 64th minute was Lukaku's diving header that hit the crossbar after an Aslani corner. Um, Dia came on and changed the game for Salernitano shortly after he even hit the post through a very close range volley. But the magic happened in the 90th minute as it seems to be all done and thus said, you know, Dia couldn't really make the difference for Salernitana despite his efforts and everyone thought that Inter were going to get a standard 1-0 victory and return to winning ways. Oh, were they wrong. Antonio Candreva pulled the host's level with a looping mishit cross from the touchline that somehow beat Andrea Onana and tucked into the top corner. All the way from downtown on the right... Kandreva, Antonio Kandreva, the man whose crosses are so wildly inaccurate they sometimes end up in the back of the net. You ever watch those cartoons where like they're playing football and and the ball just does like zigzags and yeah, and, yeah. and 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 loop the loops and and goes up and down and stuff. So, that's exactly how Kandreva crosses the ball. Yeah, and it ends up going in. Exactly, it's just random, right? Just, no it, one knows. It's just random. Goal. You're just like you're just watching and saying. 
We'll see. Yeah. Oh, please, nothing mine. That's what you're saying. <laughs> please, nothing mine. <laughs> it's, a, it's the same story every week for Inter who dominate but can't seem to win a match. It seems harsh to criticize them for this one. I like how you added an emote. Yeah. You haven't added an emote in any of your notes for the last three game weeks, but um, you feel the pleasure to mention that they haven't lost a game. Um, but um, you've also not won against Empoli so yeah no no for sure and in fact um, you know I, I criticize both teams um, equally and in fact I think that it's harsh the criticism that both teams are facing for this performance this weekend is harsh because they totally outplayed yes. the, the opponent. opponent yes you look at Milan for example you know that there was a rubbish chance at the, at the beginning of the game that they missed one-on-one you know like what, what more they can't purely do you know yeah. like you're putting these players in positions to succeed and they're not doing it yeah. and it's the same thing with Inzaghi it says I don't know how he looks Lukaku in the eyes nowadays dude he's missing so many chances I don't know I don't know how he how he can look him in the eye at the moment now listen to this this listen to this Inter took 25 shots 11 of which were on target and limited Salernitana to just three on target. Ochoa had 10 saves, nine of which came from inside the area. He's insane. Conceding only one when the XG was 2.57. Holy moly, man. Yeah, what a this performance. This guy is a beast. Yeah. He's a beast. Like, what a signing they've made. In a way, thank God they fucking... In a way, I like Sepe, but thank God Sepe got injured. Yeah, honestly, because it's unfair to bench Sepe. It is. As well. But, you know, when you have a guy like Ochoa, it's cat-like. Honestly, he cat-like. Is. He's, he's, he, I don't know what the hell he, he takes or what he does, but holy cow, man. Yeah. Um, this was, I think, Gossens' best performance yeah. this season. Of course, not only because of the goal. I don't like to be that guy. No. no. He scored, so it was his best. But, but he, he actually looked sharp. He looked, he looked menacing down the left. Mm-hmm. And it, we haven't said that often. We haven't. Well, I don't think I've ever said that. Said that for Gossens in a in an Inter shirt. So, yeah, yeah. So it was good. Yeah. Great game by Aslani, who barely gets any minutes from Inzaghi. I had six key passes, five accurate crosses. Good game for the little midfielder over mm-hmm. there. Um, he's got big boots to fill. You know, he does on midfield. And um, bro, Correa, the invisible man. I just feel he's very... He just doesn't belong in that squad at all. Um, and it's a pity because I think in a different team, at a Torino or at a... I don't know, like a middle... Even, even a Bologna, I think he could really excel. He's not a bad player. But isn't he the type of striker who works best as a second striker? Because he's not quite a winger, he's not quite a nine. Sure, but I... So you need I, a two-striker formation. Yeah, fair, fair. I'm, I, I, know, I, I didn't mean those teams in particular. I just uh, meant at a smaller team, I think he could definitely yeah. be a key player, a key starting, in, um, a, key stun, um, a starter. Um, he's never impressed me since, since he's joined the interview, ask no, me. He's no. never impressed me. He, yeah, had a, he had a few nice moments, a few streaky nice moments where he was scoring a couple of goals. Against but, Milan. <laughs> for example. Um, but apart from that, it's, it's not been... It's not. It's just not been good enough. Yeah, no, not at all. And it feels like he's one of those players that Inter are bringing in. You know, like, like these these Serie A experienced players who are kind of on the on the decline almost. Like, or or they're just cheap alternatives rather I'd than. Say, on the, I'd the say decline. that's more of an option. That's more the, the yeah. thing than, than on the decline. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have called Correa yeah. on the decline when like, he was signed, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But you look at, for example, you know, Correa, cheap alternative. Zeko, cheap alternative. Yes. Fucking every, even Gosens is a cheap alternative at the end of the day. Um, Mickey a cheap alternative because yeah, the player that, is going that's, out that's for sure that's for sure you know yeah 
But anyway, bro, um, anything you want to say about Inter? You empathize with Inter a lot. You're an Inter empathizer, aren't you? I am, I am. I feel like I feel like they don't do that much wrong. So it's hard to blame the coach, just like you find it hard to blame Purin. And I don't particularly like Milan, but I, never, I, I barely ever criticized him, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, quite the opposite, to be honest with you. And you, you know I'm not your big, their biggest fan, but I yeah. often praise Purin. I often say, why would you sack the manager? Who has brought you consistency in the last few years? Exactly. It's it, it, it's pathetic if you ask me. Agreed. Now that happens for two seasons, I'll be like, okay, you've got to, you've got the rights to to um, show him the door. But you know, it, it was a very short period, and, and and people were already getting impatient, and I felt that wasn't very fair. Um, in Inzaghi is running out of time a little bit. I feel like the based of how the season's going, Inter kind of already knew they weren't going to win the league. So for them, it's not that important almost. Mm. But they now run the risk of not qualifying for the Champions League. And that, that could be an issue. Of course. That, that could be a huge issue for them. Yes, financially very unstable right now. Um, talks of a new owner are happening non-stop now. Invest Corp have just been mentioned, the guys who were going to buy Milan back in the day. Um, financially, it would destroy them not qualifying for the for yeah. the Champions League. It yeah. would be... They already publicly state that everyone's for sale for the right price. So, yeah. We'll see. Anyway, um, league standings. So Salernitana currently sit in 15th with 29 points, while Inter sit in 5th with 51 points. Just one point out of the top four, subject to you versus points deduction. Exactamente. Um, you are up. So we're up to mention the next game, which is Atalanta nil Bologna 2. Um... As always, we'll go over their form. We have Atalanta with two wins, one draw, two losses. Bologna with two wins, two draws, one loss. Relatively similar form for both sides. Um, However, as I like to mention, it may be similar form, but historically it is far from similar. We have Atalanta with seven wins, two draws and one loss versus Bologna. Arguably one of their favorite matchups in Serie A. Atalanta have failed to score against Bologna only twice in the last eight years. In 2015, in a 3-0 loss, and in 2021, in a 0-0 draw. Um, It could have been another historic moment for Atalanta, but in a different way. It could have been their 2,500th goal in the Serie A, becoming only the 11th team to achieve this milestone in the top flight. However... As this scoreline alluded to, it is not. It was not going to be for this week. Yeah. So we can see Lukman celebrate the 2,500 goal next weekend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hoyland at this rate. Uh, depends. Depends. Um, Atalanta had a few changes to the X11 again. We saw the return of Hoyland and Lukman back together up front, and um, on Bologna's side we saw simply one change with Soriano coming back into the squad in exchange for Arbisher. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, we've had standard for me, uh, standard teams, I mean the standard starting 11, excuse me, um, and we'll mention that right now. We have a 3-4-1-2 for Atalanta with Musso in goal, Jim City, Palomino and Scalvini at the back. We have Zappa, Costa, Derun, Ederson and Male. In the middle, Pasalic as the attacking midfielder with Lukman and Hoylund up front. 
On the opposing side for Bologna in a 4-2-3-1 we have Sansone up front with Barrow, Ferguson and Soriano as the supporting attackers or midfielders as you wish with Moro and Schotten in defensive midfield and then we've got Kyriakopoulos, Lusumi, Saomaro and Posh in defence with Skorupski, the best goaler in the league at the back he had a massive game he game. certainly had a massive game and uh, if Matt was here he'd be telling me to go shove it yeah. but I'll stick by my choice and he isn't the second best but he's definitely a good keeper mm. no doubt about that absolutely not whatsoever absolutely none whatsoever I think I've been making so many horrible English mistakes in this podcast that I'm uh, not going to be an English teacher <laughs> <laughs> anyways um Atalanta started this game very well, actually. They had several chances to score in within the first 15 minutes. The best of those coming from a Hoyland chance. He received the ball wide, way up the pitch. He then found Lukman in space down the middle, who then plays the ball back into, back into the dashing Hoyland, who manages to find his enough space to be 1v1 versus Korupski. But with a poor finish, Skorupski managed to get a hand onto the ball. However, the play wasn't over then, uh, just yet. There was um, uh, Hoyland then receiving the ball again from the parried shot. Who He had an empty chance at goal. He took his time and then only shot the ball into a bunch of Bologna defenders. There were better choices available for him. That could easily be said. Um, uh, the first half was then continuously bossed by Atalanta. They still didn't manage to find a, a, a chance to score or to, to, to break the deadlock rather than chance to score. Um, and that's how the first half ended. The second half started probably as, as best um, uh, Mr. Tiago Mota could have wished for. Mm-hmm. In the 48th minute, just two games after the restart, um, Bologna f- looked full of spirit and full of, uh, full of passion. Sansona dribbled past two players on the right-hand side. He then passed the ball to Barrow. Um, Asking for the return ball, Barrow, with some luck, must be said, mm-hmm. managed to sneak the ball into Sansone's path. 1v1, lovely finish, 1-0. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of other chances during, during, the, during the second half. Hjoyland um, had another chance at goal. He had a strong header, which was, was, which was again saved by Skorupski. Um, there were a number, of, a number of other chances for both sides. Zirksi came close. And mm-hmm. then in the 80th minute, 2-0, Zirksi managed to get the ball in the middle of the park. He charged forward and then played a lovely pass to Orsolini. He was pushing towards goal. He then slid his way past Palomino and thundered a shot towards goal. Musso didn't really have a chance there. Um, overall, those were the main highlights of the game. Skorupski, in my opinion, was the MVP with several, several chances, several saves. Excuse me to keep the score to keep the score in Bologna's favor. And overall, a very commanding display. It must have been very demoralizing for Atalanta to not be able to get a goal for the team and hopefully scrape the game back to a draw. So I feel like um, uh, Skorupski was um, fundamental in this game, in, in this win, especially when you see in the first half that Atalanta had so many opportunities to 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 go to go up front, to go in front, and I feel like um, yeah, he 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 was 
He was he was huge. There, there's yeah. no other way to, to to to. My favorite moment of this game was when um, Orsolini scored the tap-in um, after Zergzi's yeah, shot. Yeah, the one with the offside. Yeah, he he ripped his shirt off, threw it up in the air, and went <laughs> celebrating. And the referee instantly was like, "Wave!" He's like, "What the fuck? How you doing?" Gave him a yellow card like linesman. I had this flag up the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> what a meme oh, he And then he scored right after He yeah. couldn't take his shirt off I bet he was dying to I bet he it. was I bet he was Oh well So funny But uh, on another point While we're on Bologna Bro yes. Zergzi is um, One of the most Aesthetically pleasing players In the league I think His play style he is, he's, he's, he's got a very He's a, he's a, he's a Strong Fast um, Player with, with a lot of With a lot of skill to him and, and very yeah, Very good technique that That's the right word Exactly um, I just don't feel like He has the finishing Product no. up front yet And I, I, maybe At another season With Motta That could change Yeah uh, We'll see We'll see um, So yeah 2-0 to Bologna uh, Another great win for them They must be ecstatic With the way they've been playing um, A couple of points To mention Just two in fact um, in my in my opinion, Atalanta's dream of top four is well and truly dead. It can only take a miracle now for them to come and claw their claw themselves back up into the top four. Um, of course, it's not impossible, mm-hmm. but it would require a lot of misfiring for the teams um, in front of them, which are Milan, Inter, and Roma. Yeah, I mean, a loss and a draw. Is all it takes Sure dude But it's a loss and a draw And, and, have to and win you've got everything. to win That's both it, yeah. And then you've got to keep winning as well Because you can yeah. It can happen that the next two games There are losses and draws For both of those teams up front And then Atalanta win two games But you have to keep in mind Atalanta have to play Juventus They have to play Fiorentina They've got to play um, They've got to play Napoli I believe So there are still a number of games left Which are very important for them yeah. And that's why I meant They had to win this game I believe it's almost to, like the more time passes, the more disjointed they become as a squad. Eh? Um, I think the the main the main point for me is that, and we spoke about this at the beginning of the mm-hmm. of the pod. I feel I don't know. We actually spoke about it. We were having we coffee. Started, yeah, uh, we spoke about the fact that I feel like this constant change of 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 the starting lineup is actually detrimental to the squad. Now you can't have such a small squad and constantly keep rotating it. I feel like Gasparini is a bit stuck in his own way, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not working, and he has to adapt. Yes, perhaps it's time to give Muriel and Zapata more time on the bench. You want uh, you want a different you want a different opinion? Yeah. I think it's time for a new coach as well. Time for honestly, honestly, honestly. And sometimes I, I, I want Gasparini not not to stop playing football. I want him to go to a bigger team. Yeah, apparently I want to um, see him at Inter. He's rumored to be. He's already been at Inter. He, so doesn't mean he can't go back. Yeah, but he's a very, very petty, spiteful man, and I don't think that he'll ever go back to a team that um, you never know that, has, that sacked him previously, and they sacked him very quickly. Mm. Um, Atletico Madrid apparently appreciate his. And I do imagine Imagine imagine. what they can do with them I can imagine that Yeah it could be interesting Um, But I I think it's slowly Slowly becoming time for that But we'll see We'll see what happens Um, uh, You can't really blame Gasparini All too much Atalanta decided to offload Half the team this season Without many reinforcements (laughs) So um, He's also not doing too bad With the squad he's got either No not bad at all I mean he's got them up there Now fighting for Champions League So yeah So yeah I mean Um Critique where it where where it's due, but let's not be too hard as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
One of the points, and something very interesting to, to, to note, Bologna's insane form at the moment. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a small dream, and that dream is European football. Mm-hmm. And do you want to know the last time Bologna have smelt and played uh, European football? When was that? It was back in 2000 in the UEFA Cup. Oh, my God. So imagine Bologna, this team from Emilia Romana, back in the European top flight. I wonder who was in their squad back then. I mean, you, absolutely. Castellini, Brioche, Giovanni Bia. No clue, dude. Clayton. Uh, Clayton. It sounds Clayton like a very Maltese there. name. <laughs> um, was there um, anyone notable? Signori, Giuseppe Signori was there, prolific goal scorer. Well, that's all. That's, anyway, a, that's, that's it. about it. Um, <laughs> apart from... Uh, people that I have no idea about it could be it could be the the rise of Bologna again but um, I'm being a bit sensational as I like to say and I feel like it's fun to be yeah. for a team like Bologna it could be really cool to see them back in the Europa League for example or the Conference League for all that for all that, for all that they were in limbo for a while with the whole Mihailovic situation they were and it feels like now they've they've gone past that and they have a squad where with a couple of tweaks and changes and maybe a proper striker they could be a formidable force next for season. Sure, for sure, it will, for sure. Well, I'd like to see that at least. Um, so to mention the, the the standings, we have Atalanta in sixth with forty eight points. Bologna creeping up Atalanta's bottom in eighth with forty three. Fantastic. So Fiorentina. What's what's fantastic? Someone creeping up your bottom. Or? Someone creeping up your bottom sounds. Well, it depends. Refreshing. Yeah. Oh, Fiorentina one. So you're insinuating that someone's using their tongue, or it's a, it's more of a. But there are children listening. Mental children, children who just want to imagine right now, like like a kid listening to to this podcast. Dude, this the podcast out, eighteen out, eighteen plus. Out loud, it was explicit actually when we first released, but we stopped doing it. Oh, you st- oh yeah, yeah. well. Um, imagine that though. What are you listening to, son? No, just these guys. They talk about football. You know, talking about licking the ass or fingering. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, man, what can I say? Yeah. I'm a man of um, of exquisite tastes. Fair enough. <laughs> Fiorentina won, <laughs> Spezia won. And now this was a game that was that couldn't have been, that couldn't have contrasted more stylistically. Now, you look at Fiorentina, who who literally burst a vein trying these complicated moves, these pass and goes, triangles everywhere all over the pitch, trying to work the ball into the box. And then you literally have Spezia, who, by the way, got their goal. By hoofing the ball upfield, Dragovski just counted the ball up to Inzola, who just outmuscled and scored. Like by the way, yep. so so it's just two completely different styles, and watching them face off is actually quite fun. It's like something like you Stupid know. Stupid question: Is Gotti still the Spezia manager? No, he got sacked. Uh, right? No, he's been sacked since yeah. uh, I believe it's Semplici. Yes, you're correct. Yeah, you are. So yes, um, Fiorentina are actually unbeaten against Spezia and say, oh, with. Four wins and two draws. Fiorentina had always scored at least two goals in every game they played against Spezia in the competition, bar this one, of course, after failing to score in his first three matches against Fiorentina in Serie A. Mbala and Zola scored in the reverse fixture in October. The striker has scored six of Spezia's nine away goals Holy in Serie A this season, yes. Um, Vincenzo Italiano opted for Riccardo Sotil and Gaetano Castrovilli While Semplici, um, returning to his hometown, brought in a guy whose name I cannot pronounce Can Vi- you please try? Visnivsky Can you try really quickly? Per- 
No, no, you can't look at... Przmyslow Wisniewski. Look away. Look away? Hold on, look away. Okay. And now in three... When I count down, you have to just look at the name and just say... All right, all right. Three, two, one. Przmyslow Wisniewski. There we go. Um, it gets easier. S- and Daniel Maldini um, came into the lineup this time round. For Italianos, 4-2-3-1. Terracciano was in goal, Biragi on the left and Dodo on the right with Igor and Martinez Quarta forming the centre-back duo. Am I a child because I laugh at these names? No, it's fine. No, no. You should have heard us the first time we saw Cremonese starting 11, my brother. We're going to die, dude. Lakshovsvili and fucking Pickle. Oh, Pickle. Oh, dude. Goodness me, man. Mandragora, Castrovilli were in the middle with Sotil out on the left and Dikone out on the right. Bonaventura was playing behind Artur Cabral. For Spezia, it was Dragovski in goal with Amian as the right back and Nikolaou as the left back. Ampadu and Wisniewski were the center back partners there. Um, Burabia, Ekdal and Zurkowski were in the middle with Jazi playing on the right. Maldini on the left and Inzola up front. Whoop, 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 whoop. Now, Fiorentina actually struggled, struggled with Spezia's early pressure, but took control after the first 10 minutes, playing some neat football and creating decent crossing situations, particularly from the left-hand side. It was in the 25th minute that Biragi actually managed to break the deadlock as he drove into the area after intercepting a ball. His cross was deflected into the back of the net by Wisniewski. So, difficult name and difficult game for you, Wisniewski. In the 32nd minute, Spezia used their cheat code as Dragovski decided, you know what, I've had enough, we're, we're losing, it's been almost 10 minutes of us losing, let's give him the ball. So he hoofed the ball up to Inzola, who outmuscled one of the strongest centre-backs in the league in Igor, made him look like he was like an under 12 and he was an, a fully grown man, like basically. Um, he finished all on his own um, in Zola. They took it down, he turned, he shot, and he was the only guy who looked good in this um, situation. Igor and Terracciano were very suspect. Igor, of course, with the, mm-hmm. just allowing him to literally... Outmuscle him. Uh, outmuscle him or sticking to the theme that we were on before, slip one up his bum. Um <laughs> When it comes to Terracciano, he kind of hesitated. No, he came out, but didn't commit. Yeah. yeah he, he, Maybe he expected Igor to do better there, and he probably. was kind of taken aback. Probably. Yeah. Arthur Cabral nearly retook the lead moments later with his 100th overhead kick of the season. It crashed off the crossbar. He's getting pretty good at them. Yes, closer yes, and closer. yes, yes. I think he really likes um, Wayne Rooney's goal. Yeah, in his city, right? I can just imagine him at home, like on his bed, just practicing there every day. Yeah. His bicycle kicks. <laughs> <laughs> His girl's like Arthur, Arthur, come Arthur, to bed. Arthur, Arthur, can we just spend some time together? No, I've got to practice my, I've got to practice my overhead kicks. Josip Brekalo nearly made an instant impact, <laughs> dribbling his man and shooting, but his shot pinged off the crossbar. Biragi struck the bar with a free kick 10 minutes later, but Dragovski made an unbelievable save to keep the deadlock. Luka Jovic was through one on one after a lovely turn. Um, dinked the ball just wide, it bounced just wide, tried to kind of chip it over mm-hmm. there. And then at the very end of the game, at the death, um, Spezia found themselves in a 2v1 situation against the goalkeeper, um, Eldor Shomorodov, decided to chip attempt to chip the goalkeeper. Again, you know, yeah, they wanted to have two exactly, chips in two exactly, games. Exactly. Very two smart. Really, really clever play over there yeah, by Shomorodov, who 
as while Spezia are fighting for their life, the guy they've brought in on loan is just trying to score cool goals yeah. and complete personal objectives instead of actually. Does, does he get a better finishing if he chips? Like? I think if you if you score a chip, you go into the next game with a with a goal one goal lead. Like oh that, really? That must be yeah. that must be a thing. <laughs> so the win streak is over after a hard-fought and unlucky outing for Fiorentina, but the undefeated streak still stands, bro. Um, mm-hmm. Thoughts? I mean, I feel like Fiorentina, we're never going to come into this game thinking this is going to be easy. I don't think you go to Spezia and feel like it's going to be an easy game. Definitely. Never and, not, really. um Arguably, they aren't. They're far from, from good this season, Spezia, that is. And Fiorentina are definitely looking much better. However, I feel as though, I mean, I will say that Fiorentina should have won this game. They had better chances and they had more of them. And they hit the bar so many times that you had to say, like, they did get unlucky. Yeah. yeah. They did get unlucky. Um, I, I hate saying that in football, but sometimes it is the case. And I feel like, I feel like here it, it was a little bit the case, you know. Mm. I mean... You know, it was just like they hit the bar three times. Yes, you know, yes, yes. very unlucky. And and, and 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 they played well overall. They dominated in every single aspect. But um, but I think that maybe they should have just played for the easier goal. Yeah, you know? honestly, I feel I feel that so much with Fiorentina, man. Sometimes past, they overcomplicate past, everything. You know, tap in. I know, I know you don't yeah. like scoring tap ins, but they're a thing. You know. Yeah. Um, and honestly, you've got the massive brain of Ricardo Saponar on the bench. You don't throw him on for ten minutes over here. He might have been able to unlock. I, I don't something. think. I don't think that Taliana particularly, particularly likes the guy. Too. He loves him, bro. He loves him, bro. He loves him. He brought him with him from Spezia. Fair he enough. he um, loves to actually like. I think if it were many other coaches, like these modern coaches with their gig and press and all that stuff, and I wouldn't even get a sniff at Fiorentina. But the fact that he plays as much as he does shows that Italiano really values the okay. the great mind of Ricardo Sapanar. Fair enough, fair enough. I'll, 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 I'll take an L there. There we two go, one. two one. <laughs> <laughs> Fiorentina have a trip to Poznan in Poland, Ooh. where Lech await. Ooh. Lech. Lech, no, it's Lech, Lech. Lech Poznan. Lech Poznan. Um, that's going to be a tough one. Are they going to win the Conference League, my brother? I believe they are. I Ooh, believe they are. Fun. I believe they are the. I believe it's for them to lose now. Yeah. I believe it's for them to lose now, and I think that they've got a brilliant chance at at, at doing so. Um, and they've also got a brilliant chance of potentially getting Europa League as well. So, yeah. um, if they slip up in the in the conference, they have a chance to simply. Um, Get there from 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 league position on its own, or Coppa Italia victory, or Coppa Italia victory. So they 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 they're looking good. I'm I'm happy to see them up 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 there again. And they're they're looking like a good team, and they're they're making well. They're doing well. Sorry, with the yeah. team that they've got, yeah. and um and yeah, I think that they're they've got good chances now. Yeah, totally. Um, they are making very well. <laughs> they're making very well. <laughs> Fiorentina currently sit in 9th with 41 points, while Spezia sit in 17th with 26 points, brother. Yes, it is um, uh, getting pretty hot down, down under, as they say. But something else which was pretty hot, the next game was pretty hot. And um, not for Sassuolo. Um, Verona to Sassuolo 1. Um, We'll go and crack on onto the form. We have Verona with one win, two draws, two losses, as opposed to Sassuolo with three wins, one draw, and one loss. And 
it seems to be a um, a common occurrence in the the matches I've picked this week. Totally one-sided historically. We've got Sassuolo with seven wins, one draw, and two losses against Verona in the last ten games. Very, very one-sided. Sassuolo had come in well, come into this game rather with str- with a strong. Um, with strong form, and they've been managing to claw their way to wins, which is something very uncharacteristic of this team, as they usually throw them away at the end of games rather than claw claw through them. Um, Sassuolo have also won their last four Serie A away games against Hellas Verona in the top flight, their current longest open streak of away wins for the Nero Verdi. Seems like Hellas Verona was a nice nice team to play for this team and, and unfortunately it wasn't the case for this game week. But anywho, um, some some other points to, to note and very, one very interesting stat which I, I think that you will very much appreciate in particular. Hellas Verona have fielded 11 players in Serie A this season born from 2001 onwards. A record in this campaign. Only Ren with 13 have done better in the big five European leagues in 22-23 season. There we go. And these guys, they're going to continue to grow in Serie B. Yes, and then they're going to continue to grow in Serie C. Yes. <laughs> and then when the team has, has has declared for bankruptcy, the team will declare that um, the young kids are going to go back to being accountants. Yeah, there um, we go. <laughs> so another, another point to mention is that only Lazio have registered higher shooting accuracy than Sassuolo with 49.6% in the current campaign. Only Lecce have a lower shooting accuracy than Hellas Verona. So we're seeing the top, the, the second best shooting accurate team against the second worst shooting accurate team in the league. Mm. Um, and I think this game um, also, if you, if you didn't have that stat in your mind, you could see that clearly from the game itself based on how, how many chances Sassuola had compared with Verona. To mention and to go over the starting lineups and some notable changes, we have Verona um, uh, with their main man, Montipo, returning in goal, and Terracciano this time starting in midfield, which is nice to see. Sassuolo saw two changes to their team, Ehrlich coming in for defensive duties in exchange for Ferrari, which is something which doesn't often happen, um, but it was an interesting um, decision for um, for Dionisi. And then we have Haroui, Coming in for Luis Enrique. As for the starting lineups, we see Verona with a 3-4-2-1 with Montepo in goal, Magnani, Hein and Tamez at the back, Faraoni, Terracciano, Veloso and Doig in the midfield, Duda and Verdi as supporting midfielders and Lasagna up front. We then have Sassuolo in a 4-3-3 formation, their classic this season, with Consigli in goal, Rogerio, Tresoldi, Ehrlich and Tolion at the back, Harui, Lopez and Frattesi in the midfield, and Loriente, Pinamonti and Berardi to wrap up the strike force. Um, to start off with um, with this game and its, and its, and its um, chances and, and um, things of note, can't really speak English anymore. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the 34th minute, um, 1-0 uh, with, uh, with, with Berardi doing Berardi things, as I like to say. He gets the ball on the edge of the box. He begins dancing towards goal, almost charging as if he was heading towards the, um, uh, the near post. 
he likes to do that. He likes to get the ball. He likes to go almost, almost towards like the edge of the byline. Is it the, yeah. is it the byline? It or is the byline. The edge yeah. of the byline, and then either take a wicked shot or or or, or crosses. He likes to do yeah. as well, and, and that's what he did. He plays a beautiful cross, and Haraway smashes his his header towards goal, and it goes in. No chance for Montepo on that one. Um, and even the way the way um, Berardi assisted him there, it's almost like he hit it so hard that he just had to bounce, had off, his to bounce off his head. Like he just used him to it score was, the goal. It was it was just so nice to see Berardi <laughs> doing that. Just lovely to see him score the um contributing this way, and he contributed excellently here. Um, that was mostly it for the first half. In the second half, Sassuolo had an array of different chances to score. Chances for Pinamonti. He, he had his shot saved by, by Montepo. Berardi came close from a finish on the, on the right-hand flank. Rogeria had a thunderous shot which went straight into Montepo. There were a number of chances, basically, that Sassuolo had. All on target, apart from Berardi's. Um, however, they all didn't result in a goal, unfortunately. And I mean, that's something to be said for, um, for talking points. 1-1 in the 84th minute. A, a good corner routine. Um, uh, across into the near post, found his way to Ceccarini, who heads the ball towards the near post. Consili could have done better for this one. Um, it wasn't the best header I've seen, um, but, you know, headers are headers. They're never easy to save in general, so I'll give it to him. I'll give I'll give Consili yeah. the benefit of the doubt there. Good goal for Ceccarini. He the, the, the scorer of the reverse fixture and the scorer in this fixture as well. For Ceccarini, yes. Massive However, impact of the bench. Huh? Massive impact. However, um, probably the 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 joke of the game, the joke of the comedy, the comedy of the week. Two one ninety fourth minute. Ehrlich gets the ball after Sassuolo failed to score from another chance. He then re- he then looks towards his goalkeeper. He he decides to play the ball back to Consili, who's about thirty five yards out. Consili has no pressure. So, a situation where he's not under pressure. He has two Verona attackers charging towards him. And it's one minute before the game's meant to end. Probably, probably less than one minute. 50, 40 seconds left. What does one do in a scenario like that? You can shoot the ball to Christ. Yeah. You can yeah. pass the ball for a throw-in. You can turn around and start running towards your own goal. <laughs> you can do literally anything you want. And the man decides to pass the ball back to the, the defender he just got the ball from. A defender who's not renowned for being very fast, might I add. And instead passes to the attacking player, Geich, who has an empty net to shoot from. Arguably a very hard chance, nonetheless. Decides to shoot from all the way out there. And he manages to score. Yeah. Um, I have and no- the thing is, Consili didn't even run back. Dude, cons- I mean, to be honest, I think Consili just realized he, he massively fucked yeah, it up. But yeah. um, but I, 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 I've never seen him that laissez-faire. I've never seen him so nonchalant. And that, yeah. was, that was a shocker for me. I had my mouth open and I said, you know what? This is classic Sassuolo. But to do it in this way, to concede a goal in that manner is absolutely diabolical. Apparently... I have a theory that apparently Sassuolo just don't want to see Verona relegated. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, I have no other explanation. I, I, I can't see any logic in that decision. Like, it wasn't like a mishit pass. It was just like, it you know, here's, here's the ball. Here's the, here you go. Anywho, I, I'm, I'm going to stop ranting. Um, that's how the game ended, 2-1. And, um, and yeah, Sassuolo will definitely feel beaten up. 
or they feel like beating themselves up rather um, for how they've how they've lost that game as such. They've lost that game in in ten minutes when they've bossed the game for over seventy five of it. So um, hard pill to swallow, yeah. but that's what I have often done. Hard pills um, down at the club, so you never know. <laughs> you never know how it feels when you've taken too many. Yeah. You look um, at the likes of Berardi, Harui, Fratesi and Lorente who worked so hard oh yeah. to try to get the lead this they game. They wanted it as well, but yeah. often had the wrong decision as well. But then these guys were all subbed off, right? And yeah. they were subbed off and then boom, suddenly two goals. How must they feel, man? They must feel hard done by, for sure. And yeah. I, I wouldn't blame them. I'd be, I'd be fucking pissed. I'd yeah. be pissed as fuck. Um, but hey, sometimes you're the, you're the better side, but you still lose. And that was a classic example of that. Um... One thing I'd like to mention, uh, a couple of points rather. Um, at the beginning of the season, I know that you and Matt were criticizing Sassuolo very much for their attacking display. Mm-hmm. You felt they were out of ideas. You felt that they looked absolutely um, invisible. There was there, there were reasons behind that. They didn't have Traore. They didn't have Lo- they had have Berardi. Yeah. Um, so what I would like to say is I'm, I'm happy to see Sassuolo ch- taking chances, shooting um, mm. and, 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 and having a crack at goal. Um, however, there were a couple of attempts in this game where they didn't, they could have easily played a pass to have a better chance, to have the easier yeah. chance. Now, of course, one can, one can criticize that. But I rather see more chances being taken, more selfishness than trying to play the perfect pass yeah, yeah. because the perfect pass results in nothing if you take a shot towards goal you never know what's going to happen um, of course you're basing you, you're, you're banking on luck but if you're simply waiting for the perfect pass you're not going to even get luck into the exactly, equation yes. so the Fiorentina syndrome yeah so uh, it can be a bit frustrating but I'd rather see that than not see any passes that's, that's, how, that's, that's the logic I, that's the logic I took for this point yeah. I don't know how you feel about that no, I mean, fair enough. Um, it's been working. It has been working, yes. And okay, not in this game, but... Uh-huh. <laughs> Sassuolo certainly improved, and I feel like they, they are having a few more attempts, going on a few more solo endeavours, you know, like Lorienta and Berardi, particularly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and, well, we already criticised him slightly, but um, Consigli was... I mean, I don't want to be too harsh, but it was an absolute joke of a second goal. Um, I, 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 I'm a bit speechless I still am a bit speechless um, He's been starting to look like he's past his best But then the problem then lies They don't really have a second keeper Pergolo is 42 years old They've got a good one out on loan uh, it could be. I, I, I'm not up to scratch with, with, with who's out on loan uh, keeper-wise for Sassuolo. But um, it's something they should have to be... I think they're going to have to revisit it soon because I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think that um, maybe it's something for you and Matt to, 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 to evaluate at the end of the season for Sassuolo. Sure. Since I can't believe... Yeah. I don't believe that they're going to have many... You're not going to have many talking points for a team which is most likely going to end up mid-table. Yeah. Um, but yeah... Um, Sassuolo ended the ended the game week with with um, thirty seven points in twelfth place, where Verona managing to edge themselves out of the relegation zone, still in eighteenth, twenty two points, five shy or four shy of seventeenth um, spot of Spezia. And to move on to the next game, unfortunately, you're going to hear my voice for the next twenty minutes or so, since if you're in this podcast. Um, 
I'm gonna have to dip out for the last match review since I've got to do um, uh, some father duties. He is uh, he's a tango dancer, and um, uh, taxi driver duties are are being are being summoned. So I must, um, well, you know, if a taxi driver is being asked to to come, you, you the taxi driver doesn't decide to do what he wants. Um, he has to go, and uh, that is my job. And um, I apologize in general for the fact that I, I can't speak English today. So <laughs> I, I'm stammering and I am. Uh, I feel like I've smoked 20 blunts and I haven't smoked weed in a long time. But anyway, uh, it's been a long day of me doing nothing. So I guess when, yeah. I, when I do nothing, it just ends up me being um, a lazy git. It veges you out, dude. I am a vegetable. There we go. I am a vegetable. Um, be right back. Yes. You can be right back. Jake's off. I'm going to do it all on my own, apparently. Okie doke. So we have Sampdoria with one win, one draw, and three losses, as opposed to Cremonizer with zero wins, two draws, and three losses. Both teams arguably not on hot form. Um, at least you could say that Sampdoria felt a little bit more confident, at least registering one win in the last five games. So perhaps they could feel like they have a slight edge over Cremonese. Um, they would have a better um, feeling if they look into the historic head-to-head for this game week, uh, for this um, for against Cremonese, excuse me, with Sampdoria with six wins, three draws, and one loss against this team from Lombardia. Um, a couple of points to mention. Only Hellas Verona have picked up fewer points, five on the road, rather than Cremonese with seven in seven draws. The Lombardi side have registered the most draws away from home in the top flight in 2022-2023 and are one of the four sides alongside, along with Stuttgart, Hellas Verona and Almeria in Spain to remain winless on the road in the big five European League this season. I mention this point because of the fact that they actually managed to get their first win on the road this season. Hey. Holy moly, guacamole. Um, so, with that being said, we can then move on to the starting lineups. We have Sampdoria with their 3 4 2 1, with Ravaglia in goal for the injured Audero. We have Zanoli coming in in defense, Nuitink, Amione at the back, Larry, Srincon, Winks, and Ajuello in the midfield. Quissons, Duricic, and Gabbiadini up front. On the opposing side, we have a 3-4-1-2. Dessers and Saidu up front. We have Boyanuto as the attacking midfielder. Qualiata, Castagnati, Meta, and Giglione in midfield. Loshoshvili, Bianchetti, Ferrari in defense. Carnisecchi in goal. Other than that, we can now spring on to the highlights. Quite a few, actually. Yeah, for a this game. was the game of the week. This yeah. was the game of the week, absolutely. If you're bored, if you're having a smoke, if your day's about to end and you just want to watch some great football, some great, just a great, a great game. A show. A show of shows. Please go and watch the highlights. It was thoroughly enjoyable. And of course, it wouldn't be thoroughly enjoyable if there wasn't a comedy as well in yeah. this game. And there were a couple. So, we'll crack on to the first goal of the game in the 15th minute. 1-0. Juricis unleashes Ajuelo down the left flank. He whips in a beauty of a cross. Larice on the end of it to smash his header home. The crowd go, wild. He hadn't and, scored. And he hadn't scored in ages indeed um, 
That lead didn't last all too long. 20 minutes later, 1-1, 35th minute. Tsaidu turns and passes by Amione. You'll be hearing this phrase quite often in this game. He then opens up space for Qualiata to cross towards goal. The cross then lands all the way towards Giulione on the other side of the box. With his first touch, he tries to play the ball back towards goal. Somehow, his, his, his cross ends up goal, goalwards. Um, it loops over Ravaglia, it loops over Neutink, and it somehow ends up in the bottom corner. Um, it felt like this. It felt like um, it felt like this ball had a had a bit of Kandreva inspiration, and it was just it was just actually just a really weird goal if you ask me. Julian yeah. um, uh, didn't expect to score. He had no plans to score. His idea was to cross the ball back into the box, and instead he planned to score. So I think for my next handball game, I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend to miss, <laughs> and I'm hopefully I'll, I'll score all of my goals this time because when I pre- pretended to want to shoot and score, I missed them all. So there maybe I have to change my mindset. Um, anywho, the the first half ended in um, in that fashion. Two one ends up being in the sixty sixth minute for Sampdoria. Another beautiful cross by Aguello. This time it finds its way to Lammers. His first goal for Sampdoria. He headers a beautiful cross towards goal, and it goes in two one. His first goal for some colors, like I just said, huge goal. It felt like they were. Um, they were on to win this game as such. Unfortunately, it would not be the case in the 85th minute, 2-2, Cremonese score with Dessers finding his way into the box. He also manages to pass by Amione. He beats his man. Dessers then plays the ball into the middle of the box with Loshoshvili managing to tap in from close range. And then, when you thought it was all over, when you thought that Cremonese were going to get... Eight points in eight draws away from home. Apparently not. 95th minute. Last action of the game. 2-3. Afev, Afena, F, Afena Gian. Excuse me. Sorry, Afena Gian. Don't say me. What? Afena Gian. He was extremely selfish. Yeah. However, again, he passed and managed to beat his man against none other than Amione, who had an absolute howler of a game. He opened himself up on the right-hand flank. He thundered a shot towards goal. He could have already passed, but anyways, hits the post. The ball then finds itself handsomely to Sir Nicola outside of the box. The man has a lot to do. He passes his man. He then opens himself up and he curls an absolute beauty of a goal into the top corner. His kit flies as high as the stadium itself. Everyone surrounding him. They're jumping with joy. Cremonese win, 2-3, what a bloody game, what a bloody way to score, and what a bloody way to give your team the lifeline they may need to survive in this league. And it's good to see these sides scoring goals and um, getting a few personal stats as well, you know, for, for these guys, like... So many one-off goals yes, for players because absolutely. these guys don't score. They don't, they don't <laughs> really get opportunities. And yeah. it, it, it seemed like Balardini just said, you know what, guys? Fuck it, we're pushing all up front for this game yeah. and we're going to try to get those goals. And it, it, it worked. They, it worked, they pushed and they pushed and they pushed and they managed. They did, they did. They actually... They surprised their, me. Their game. late press at the end of the game yes. proved to be deadly. It was, it was as if, you know, um, when you feel it's all done, you just, you gather that last bit of energy, you know, you go for that last 100 meter sprint and you really try your best and it managed to, it managed to get in the win. So... They have to be proud of that performance. Yeah. Um, two points 
Samp, are they finished now? Oh, After man. losing against yes. the worst uh, team in the league? I, I thought that now with the run of games, they might actually start fighting out of the the relegation pool, but um, this was this was the game to win. It was. And, and they didn't even draw, they lost it. Yes, so so yes. it's looking dire for them. It is right looking now. dire. I think one, two more losses and it's and it's curtains if you ask me. Mm-hmm. I really think it is curtains if you ask me. But um, but yeah. Yeah. One other point? No. Cremonese. Was this a consolation win in an albeit terrible season? Or could this be the resurgence of a team that makes it out of the relegation battle. Now, now keep on in mind. 16 points. Exactly. 10 points off of the 17th spot. Yes. So it's still a stretch, right? There's a big stretch. Big stretch. Um, However, there... keep in mind that Spezia and Lecce both aren't hot on form. Mm. Particularly Lecce. Mind you Yes, but uh, Cremonese would need to win a couple more games And I can't see them doing it um, I'd love to see them actually turn it around and survive okay. I love a good miracle I love Ballardini I think he I love him I love, be, What a great manager um, But yeah, unfortunately I think I think that uh, It's a little too late Yeah, yeah. I see I mean, fair enough I mean, uh, I, I, I tend to agree with that as well I do feel this is a consolation win as well But mm. you never know yeah, it was almost like pride. No, who's gonna finish last? Yeah, year? it could have been. It could have been. A, it could have been a fact that it could have been um, that was the key reason. Yeah, I'm, uh, other than that, I mean, that those were my two main points for for for, for this one. Um, didn't really feel like there were many many talking points for you know the, the teams in twentieth and nineteenth. Yeah. Um, to wrap it up, uh, Sampdoria end this game week in twentieth with fifteen points. Cremonese climb up to nineteenth with sixteen. So Mintov has had to leave us. Um, thank you very much to him, as always, for stepping in for Matt while he's away. Um, not an easy task at all, and he's doing very well in it. So shout out to Mintov. Thank you very much to you, brother. The last game I'm going to be covering all on my own is Udinese 2, Monza 2. Amongst Serie A, Serie B and the Coppa Italia encounters that these two teams have had, they have faced each other 13 times with four victories and five draws. Four victories each, sorry. Um, Monza wanted to win this one after their president Silvio Berlusconi was diagnosed with leukemia. We wish him the best. Terrible news. Of course, big figure over there, important figure for Italian football. Um, this was the, f- the third meeting this season between Monza and Udinese. Udinese won in Serie A on August 26th, while Monza won in the Coppa Italia on October 19th. In both these matches, each side has scored a trend which continued last weekend as they drew. 2-2. Matteo Pessina and Destiny Udoji are two of the five Serie A players who have covered the most distance with carries this season. 4,369 meters for Pessina, 4,295 meters for Destiny Udoji. Beto has played the same number of games he had in Serie A last term, 28, scoring two fewer goals. Um, last term, his minutes to goal ratio was 198 compared to this term's 200. Stefano Sensi has scored more Serie A goals against Udinese than any other side with three. Now, Udinese lined up with a 3-5-2 formation with Silvestri in goal. New in Perez, Bijol and Becao were at the back. Destiny Udoji was left wing back, while Ezebo was the right wing back with Samardzic, Wallace and Lovridge as the midfield three. Beto and Success were the striking partnership for this game. For Monza, it was a 3-4-2-1 formation with Di Gregorio in goal. Antov, Mari and Itzo were at the back with Churia on the right and Carlos Augusto on the left. Rovella and Pessina were in the middle. Colpani and Sensi were 
were the offensive duo behind Valotti this time round. Now, in the 18th minute, Wallace played Loveridge through beautifully. Loveridge only had the goalkeeper to beat and had enough time to overthink it, but he slipped it past the goalkeeper very coolly and composedly. That's 1-0 for Udinese. In the 48th minute, there was a great cross into the area by Carlos Augusto. Colpani, a good little player over there, converted violently on a full volley. That's 1-1. In the 56th minute, Sensi played a perfectly weighted ball to Ravella, who smashed it into the roof of the net first time. Ravella's first goal in Serie A, and you can see what it meant to him. That was 2-1 over there for Monza. And in the 91st minute, perhaps, Monza were hard done by as Petania gave away a penalty. Um, he simply walked into Nesterovsky in the area and Nesterovsky essentially just smacked into a brick shithouse and hit the ground. Um, penalty awarded, Beto sent Di Gregorio the wrong way and, and it ended 2-2, perhaps harshly to Monza. I am going to stress this, it was harsh for Monza over there. Really unlucky, they played very good football over here. They played up to Udinese's level, if not better. Um, I look forward to see what they can do in the next Mercato. Um, Monza, because the only way for them is up at the moment. Carlos Augusto must be on the radar for big teams at the moment. I wish I could ask this question and have a discussion with one of my dear friends, Minto Format, but it's a shame. We'll save it for next episode. For me, Carlos Augusto must go to a top team next season, even if it's um, as an understudy to uh, an already established fullback like Theo Hernandez or something, for example. I think it would be a good move for him. Even Inter could use the services of Carlos Augusto. Or an understudy for Kostic at Juve with Quadrado aging. He's a very he's hot property right now, Carlos Augusto. Um, this was a game in which Loveridge and Wallace really stepped up in the middle for Udinese. Um, they played very well there, but yeah, that pretty much wraps it up, guys. Um, Udinese currently sit in tenth with thirty nine points, while Monza are in thirteenth with thirty five points. This was a mid table battle over here of the highest order. So thank you very much if you've made it this far. Guys, um, remember to follow us at say, our Spotlight on our socials. Do send us a message. Give us your feedback. Tell us what you think. Um, we look forward to seeing you next week for more action. And we'll be discussing the Champions League games as well briefly in the next episode too. Thank you very much. We love you.